0: We're beginning here with uh, Nehemiah, and I want to give you a book to read. If you, some of you would like a book to read that's uh, sort of a, uh, a commentary type of book, but a very good one. It's an older book, but it's called Hand Me Another Brick by Charles Swindle. And uh, you can get that on Amazon or, or wherever, uh, ordered online, if you'd like to read that. Hand Me Another Brick by Charles Swindle. I would recommend that you read the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. If you haven't done that, uh, read <coughs> Nehemiah and Ezra. They go together. Uh, they tell the exact same story. Nehemiah comes after uh, Ezra in the, in the book of, books of the Bible, but also in the historical line there. Uh, and I think if you read those on your, in your own Bible study time, uh, this will be a, a better study and a better series for you. Nehemiah is in Babylon. He has lived there all his life. He's been raised up. He's uh, <clears throat> away from where his people live in Jerusalem. And we're going to pick up in chapter 1 here, and we're going to see uh, what he learns and how he reacts, and hopefully some good lessons that we can uh, learn that uh, in our life as well. Nehemiah has a very important job. If you have your Bibles open there in chapter 1, at the very end of the chapter, he makes the comment, I was cupbearer to the king. And the cupbearer is an important guy. He basically was the food tester. That if anyone was trying to kill the king and uh, tried to poison his food, he would uh, poison the food and hopefully kill the king. But uh, if the king had a cupbearer, then uh, he would test all the food before the king ate it. And test all the drink before the, the, uh, the, the king drank it. And so, uh, this is a trusted job. This is a more of an intimate role in the king's life. And so, here's a guy... He was a Jew. He's, he's not even a Babylonian, but he's, he's raised up. He's come up in this system. And he's in a very important place in the, the king's life. And that's going to that's gonna be important as we understand the story uh, as it unfolds. Let's read chapter 1, and then I want to uh, make this very personal for you. Okay. <clears throat> the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, now this is his physical brother, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that has survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. So he's very concerned about, you know, what's going on back home, so to speak. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace." The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, and then we're going to, we're going to hear him sort of verbalize and write down some of the things that he'd been praying about. Oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love Him and obey His commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, and my father's house have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are exiled if you are exiled people at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them back to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. And so he gives us sort of a, an outline here of the prayers that he'd been praying. Now what he's going to want to do, and we're going to see this in chapter 2, we won't cover that today, but what he's going to want to do is he's going to ask this guy the king's permission. Can I go back? And can I help rebuild the wall? And can I help reestablish my people in that place? The title for the lesson today is a dream is born. He had a dream. I want to go back. I want to get that wall rebuilt. I want to get the religion reestablished. And I want God to be honored again in Jerusalem. He had a dream. Now, what I want to ask you to do is answer in your own mind, what is a dream in your life? What do you dream about? What would you like to accomplish in your life? You know, dreams can be in different categories. You can have a dream about... Uh, your romantic or family life, a dream. If you're if you're not married, maybe you if you're not married, you say I have a dream that one day I want to be married. I know a friend of mine years and years ago said that I have a dream that I want to marry a blonde-haired girl that's shorter than me. I thought, wow, that's. Uh, very specific, you know, most people aren't quite that detailed about, you know, maybe their dream in that area is, I, I want to get married someday, and they have no idea, you know, it could be red, yellow, black, or white, short, tall, you know, uh, and all that kind of thing. And uh, it might be interesting for you to know that he actually married a girl that was blonde-haired and shorter than him, and he was only about five-five. So uh, you know he he's very specific. You know I, I can't have a taller girl. You know I guess that wasn't a big thing in his life. So you can have a dream. Maybe you have a dream in your professional world. If you're a college student, you have a dream of doing what? Graduating. <laughs> Graduating. Hallelujah. I want to graduate. I want to close this chapter in my life. So there's all kinds of different kind of dreams. You know, I, I want to have children. Uh, I want to, have a, you know, some of say, well, I, I have a dream. I want to be a millionaire. You know, uh, as if uh, that's going to answer a lot of the problems in your life uh, and that kind of thing. Sometimes those of us who are in the church and say, well, I have. I have a kingdom dream, or I have a, I have spiritual dreams. I want to I want to go on a mission team someday, or I want to uh, be an elder, or I want to marry a minister, or uh, you know uh, some of those kind of things. Be careful what you ask for uh, with that. <laughs> <coughs> being a minister, you know, it's not all uh, is as uh, wonderful as you might think it is. Uh, being married to a minister, but but we all have those kind of dreams, right? Is your mind going along dreams? You thinking about dreams? Okay, now let's see how bold some of you are. Would anybody like to share your dream? Anybody have a dream they want to share? Yeah, Gina. So I was watching.
1: Um, I was watching. I don't know. And uh, with that guy that does. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So he wrote the book about the um, spiritual habits. Yeah. So he says that when he first started in the ministry, he was, you know, struggling or whatever. And um, because they they were very devoted to tithing. And so he would, um, you know, was very devoted. But he says that now he makes so much money that instead of living on, I mean... Tied in the ten and living on the ninety, he's able to tie the ninety and live on the ten. Wow. And so, in terms of working towards a goal, and
0: that's your dream.
1: Uh, is, is, is it, uh, ultimately, fantastically, it would be exciting to be able to so to live on the ten and give the
0: ninety. That's quite a dream. Okay, anybody else? Yes. Okay, want to start a a foster adoption slash adoption uh, type of ministry or work? Okay, somebody else. Yes, sir, back there. I want to help kids with special needs across America. Okay, special needs kind of ministry and outreach. Yes, ma'am. I have to talk
1: to you after. I actually had this dream 13 years ago when our son had special needs, and we were looking for ways to help him and help ourselves. And I always said if I ever had the means or the resources to do that, I would because it was so difficult to find groups and places to go and, and just the resources weren't available. And 13 years later, after the last service in Glendale, I forgot about that and it was very inspiring last week or two weeks ago. Two, show two weeks ago with Russ.
0: Two weeks ago, and I realized, you know, I am in a position now where I have
1: the resources and the means and so the last couple of weeks I've been trying to look for a group to offer my resources to, and I can't find one. And, and it just made
0: me realize I need to either find it, start it, cultivate it. So, so definitely for special needs, families, as well as the children, um, to use my preschool. School. Wonderful. Wonderful. I thought Russ did a great job, by the way. Uh, blowout uh, job. Uh, talking about his own family and the needs of his family and how that's led to a lot of great things happening there. Okay, anybody else want to share their dream? Yeah.
1: I Okay. okay.
0: Uh, I want to live to be 100 years old And be healthy That's a good caveat <laughs> You can live to be 100 And not be healthy And that may not be awesome uh, Anybody else? How about some of our teenagers down here? You guys have no dreams? Uh, yeah I,
1: um, I just simply want to be able to concerned um, In the ministry Whatever it might
0: be Okay uh, Anywhere You want to be able to be a good servant and, and, uh, Come on you teenagers you, you guys have dreams? Yeah Daniel
1: I think ever since I'm a little boy. Like, uh, looking back to some of my elementary school, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I've always put minister. So I think that's something I actually want to do with my life.
0: Okay. Okay. Good deal. How about our college students? Do not you guys have any dreams over there? It's, it's the dreamless min- uh, campus ministry over there? Okay, Margaret used to be at USC. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, talk to me about
1: that about non-profit thing. So, I've been in a startup for so many years now and know how to start companies, But I've never done a startup for non-profit. So, that's the kind
0: of thing I've been wanting to do. Um, so that's it. Hey, got, got, got a dream there. Many of you college students, come on, man. Yes, madam um,
1: very
0: Yeah, that, that's a cool dream. I, I've seen all the pictures like you, and I'm like, man, this must be pretty neat uh, to, to actually see. Now, I've seen the one in uh, Phnom Penh, but I haven't seen the one uh, th- that's way out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so uh, that, that, that'd, be, that'd be pretty cool. Okay, you guys got dreams in your minds, even though you didn't raise your hand? I know you do. Some dreams in your heart. What we're going to do here is we're going to pick out some things from chapter one of what makes dreams come true. Because Nehemiah's dream is going to come true. All of us have dreams or thoughts in our life. Even if you didn't share, I know you have some things in your mind. If not, then you know, maybe this will sort of uh, spur you on a little bit to think about you know what kind of dream should I could I have in my life? To do some interesting things. There's two things I think that stand out in chapter 1. That make this dream that he has of going back and building the wall. And all that we're going to see in the next few weeks of our lessons that we're going to study from the book of Nehemiah. His dream is going to come true. But if these two things stand out. of, Of how did he get this foundation laid. That was going to bring about him actually... Seeing this come true in his life. Number one, emotion. Number two, action. You want your dreams to come true? You're going to have to have emotion and action. Both are absolutely essential. If your dream is going to come true, if you're going to graduate from college... If you're going to be able to set up these organizations that many of you shared about, and do these great things, you're going to have to have emotion, and you're going to have to have action. Emotion without action isn't going to get the job done. Action without emotion is not going to get the job done. Nehemiah has both, and both are crucial to him being successful. Now he hears, you know, he asks the guys that come on back, including his brother, "Hey, how are things going?" Their answer is, man, things are in bad shape. The wall is is down. The people are in disgrace. It's a mess. And look what he says here in verse 4. When I heard these sayings, I sat down and wept. Emotion. He hears about the state Of Jerusalem, and it hits him right in the heart. There's so many things that we know today and we learn today, it can be very easy to get to a point in your life where nothing hits you anymore. It's just, you know, we live in the information age, we live in a time where if something happens in another part of the United States or even another part of the world, in years past, people wouldn't actually hear about it. You wouldn't know about it. But in our time, we hear about these things, bam, bam, bam. It's just, we're constantly being hit with new information. And it gets to the point in our life where we're very jaded, we're very covered, we're very hardened, and nothing seems to bother us much anymore. But when Nehemiah hears this information, he sat down and he wept. It hit him. Smacked him right in the forehead. Wow. I can't believe it. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later about emotion and that emotion is not enough to get the job done. But, if you don't have an emotion, you'll never do anything. I want to ask you, do you feel much anymore? You know, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter's preaching to the, the people there at Pentecost... In verse 37, it says, when they heard what He, what he, what he said, they were cut to the heart. Right. The process of becoming a Christian involves emotion. You can't become a Christian. You can't really be a child of God. If you can't emotionally react to the information... For many of us, we actually pride ourselves in being a tough person. We pride ourselves in not overreacting. And maybe you've known people that you felt like overreacted in years past. And you're like, man, I'm not sure what I want to be, but I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the person who's always overreacting and always emotional and always, you know, crying and, and, and that kind of a thing. But you know, you can overreact. You can take the person that's too emotional and you can say, I don't want to be that, and you can become the guarded, covered, heartless person that never responds, never reacts to anything. Actually, the Bible talks about this concept. Keep your finger there in Nehemiah 1 and turn over to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. This emotion thing is important for us. In Jeremiah chapter 6, and verse 13, Jeremiah is talking about the spiritual condition of God's people at that time. And he's talking about actually the, uh, the, the priests and the prophets in this particular area. In verse 13, he says, "...from the least to the greatest, they're, they're all greedy for gain." The ministers, the prophets, the priests. "...they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace." Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No. They have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. They do not even know how to blush anymore. They don't even react anymore. What does it take for you to blush? What does it take to be on the television screen for you to say, we need to turn the, the channel? What, what has to be on the movie screen before you get up and walk out and say this is not the kind of movie I should be watching? What has to be going on in the conversation? that you're involved with, for it go to the point where you say, you know, I've got to go. I, I, I don't need to listen to this. Or do you pride yourself in saying, well, you know, I, you know I, I, I can be around things and it doesn't affect me. Maybe the truth is, is you've become someone who doesn't even know how to blush. We can become so hard-hearted that we never have an emotion. Nehemiah hears the report and his emotion is a huge part of what eventually will take place. Nothing's ever going to take place. That wall's never going to be rebuilt. Nothing is ever going to happen. If Nehemiah says, well, they're a bunch of knuckleheads and they got what they deserved. He has an emotion. And his emotion has a huge impact on his life. I want to ask you, when's the last time you were convicted during one of the sermons at church? Whether it was Tariq last week or Russ two weeks ago, or me on a more consistent basis that you hear, where we read something from the Word of God, a point is made from the Word of God, and you feel it in your heart, you know in your heart, that what is being said is speaking directly to me. How long has it been? Was it a week ago? Was it two weeks? Was it a month? Two months? Six months? Six years? You know, the Word of God should cut us. Hearing the Word of God spoken, preached should cut us. There should be moments, there should be time where you hear something and you say, you know, that's right. I, I have slipped. I, I have digressed. I've gone back. I need to get back to where I was in that area of my life. It's interesting that, uh, uh, visiting my mom, we went to a little church she goes to. It's, it's not so little anymore. They, they, uh, they're, they're, they're growing and doing great out there, out in the middle of the country. Little country church out there. And, uh, this you know, kid's preaching. He looked like a kid to me anyway. And, uh, uh, a lot younger than me. And he did a lesson on kindness. And then he's just talking about how important it is to be kind and how the Bible talks about being kind. And I'm sitting out there in this little country church out in the middle of uh, nowhere in, in Kentucky. And I'm thinking, you know, that little knucklehead's right. I need to work on being nicer and being kind at times in my life because that is something that I can be uh, not sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, maybe that relates to some of you uh, in that area. You didn't hear the sermon or whatever, but it was encouraging for me. I thought, you know what? it's good for me to hear a message every once in a while. As opposed to preaching all the time because that was helpful uh, in, in me in that kind of a way. But, uh, you know, you, you've got to take a little diagnostic on yourself, guys. There's times in your life where you need to have emotion. You need to feel emotion about where you're at spiritually. Are you convicted about your lack of personal Bible study? Are you convicted about your lack of personal evangelism and reaching out to people around us that aren't lost? Are you convicted... About anything. It's almost at the end of the month. How are you doing on your resolution? Did you already quit? Did you already give up? It's only the 24th day of the month. You didn't even get to February yet. It's okay to have an emotion. It's okay to have a pure heart that gets convicted. You know, Jesus did say, Blessed are the pure heart. It's okay to have the child of a heart. He said, unless you have the heart of a child, you're never going to get to heaven. It's okay. It's okay to be a little bit like a young Christian sometimes. Remember how you were as a baby Christian coming to church. And every sermon convicted you. You know. (laughs) Every week the minister spoke on what you needed to hear. You know, it's okay to have that heart, that emotion. Nehemiah had that emotion. But then he had also the second thing that's crucial, is he had action. You've got to have emotion and you've got to have action. Look back at verse 4 again. It says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. He sat down and wept. But then what did He do? For some days, I mourned, and I fasted, and I prayed, And what is at the very end of his prayer? Give me success in what I'm going to do. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And his prayer includes, God, give me success. He didn't just have emotion, guys. He had action. He said, it's time to start doing some very specific things. Well, what did He do? Well, let's see what He does in this prayer. Look at verse... Well, let's pick it up in, in verse 5. Oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and obey His commands, let your ear be attentive, your eyes uh, uh, open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night and your service to the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, had committed against you. Here he is now going from emotion to action. This isn't now, okay, I'm just feeling bad. I'm feeling convicted. I'm feeling down. I I feel bad. Now he's saying, I'm going to start doing something. And what's he start with? He says, I'm going to confess. We as your people have sinned. And then it's almost like he takes his, his eraser and goes, eh. Let me try again. I confess my sins. You know, it's easy to talk about the sins we have done. What are the sins we have done as a church? Well, we're not as loving as we need to be. Well, we're not as we're not as committed as we need to be, and, and we are not as evangelistic as we need to be. And we, okay, let's get out of the we.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, let's get. Okay, we, we're done with the we now. Now let's talk about I. I. Here are the sins that I. Have committed. Here are the things that I am responsible for. You see, this dream is going to come true in his life. But the dream is going to come true because, first of all, he has an emotion that it, that, that's real. You've got to have emotion if you're going to have dreams. Why even have a dream if it's not emotion? Every dream is emotional. Emotional. You want to have it? You want, want something? I mean, this is big. This is in my heart. I mean, that's how we describe it. It's in my heart. I want this. It's emotional, but then it's got to go from just emotion. Just emotion by itself, sitting around crying, ain't gonna get anything done. Oh, I feel real bad. I still feel real bad. A week later, I feel bad. A month later, I feel bad. A year later, I feel bad. Somewhere along the line, you've got to get out of feeling bad and start doing something. Your dream has got to go from emotion now to action. And He, he goes for it. He confesses His sins. When's the last time? And that you can even remember that you confessed sin. That you said to someone you trust. You know what? I'm not saying you go confess your sins to everybody around the church. But isn't there somebody in the church that you trust? A good friend? A close friend? A valued friend, someone that you know is, is going to be, you know, not not going to hear what, you know, you say and go to, you won't believe what she just told me. Well, I, you know, you don't confess your sin. You're not open like that to, to, to a person that you don't trust. I mean, should we confess our sins? Doesn't James 5.16 say we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another? I think one another is one another, isn't it? I don't want to go too deep into, the, into the, uh, you know, the, the, the Bible interpretation of one another, but I think one another means one another. I don't think one another is, is talking about God. God and us are not one another. God is God and we are not. Okay? This is deep Bible study for, for the teenagers here. You guys getting this?
1: <laughs>
0: Come on, man. It went from emotion to action. He confessed. You know what else it said that he did? For several days. It said, didn't it say that? Didn't it say several days? For some days. Now he's not definitive about that, is he? How many days is some days? It's More than one. So who said that? That's a good Bible study right there. I'll tell you, Edgar's on it, man. Some days are more than one. He's fasting. Now, I've got to tell you, it's been my habit for many years to fast when? Monday. Monday's fasting day. You know what that means? On Monday, I don't eat breakfast. On Monday, I don't eat lunch. On Monday, at 5 o'clock, I break my fast. And generally speaking, at seconds past 5 o'clock, I'm having something. I'm usually hungry by then. I'm usually ready to eat by then. You say, well, you know, do we have to fast? Well, I, you know, you're going to have to really think about that. You're going to have to go back and read passages where Jesus talks about fasting and wonder if he's talking to everybody but you. When he says things like, when do you fast when you fast wouldn't that be seemingly to you implying that he thought people would actually do it you say well I like uh, prayer and fasting I like prayer better than fasting (laughs) well amen I'm glad you like prayer better than fasting that didn't didn't mean he didn't say prayer without fasting I'm trying to get you to understand He went from emotion to action He's doing something now Now is fasting going to build that wall? No But is fasting obedience to God's will? Yes Is fasting an evidence that he's getting serious About what he's thinking about? Yes He went from emotion to action He's confessing He's fasting. And look at that last sentence of that prayer. I go back to it. I've got it underlined. Wow, if you're an underliner, you've got to underline this. Give your servant... He's talking about himself. Success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He is praying to God, saying, God, I've got a plan now. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go talk to King. I'm going to, I'm going to ask him if I can get time off. I can go back to Jerusalem. God, give me success. See, it's not just emotion now. It's action. Let me give you a couple of scriptures on action that I think you'll like. Look over to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Hustle up and get over there. Come on. Proverbs. Proverbs 24. If you're going to have action in your life, you want your dream to come through, guys? You want that dream to come through? Come on. You want your dream to come through? You're going to have to get emotion. You're going to have to get action. But this action here is going to have to involve Some very specific things. I love this passage. I actually gave this passage to my mother. Every morning I gave my mother, this is our scripture for the day. This is one of the scriptures I gave her. This is an agricultural scripture. So hang in there. Some of you have never been on a farm in all your life. (laughs) Chapter 24, verse 27. Finish your outdoor work. In other words, things that you've got to do that are outside of your house. Finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. Get the things done outside your house first. After that, build your house. This is the passage of Scripture that gives us an idea that if you're going to get anything done in life, you've got to have a plan and you've got to have in your mind's eye some sense of organization of what you're trying to do, of priorities. He says, get your outdoor work done. Get your fields done. Then build your house. Because if you start building your house, are you ever going to get your field done? No. No. And he's saying you've got to have priorities about getting things done. The reason some of you don't get anything done in your life is you don't have a plan. You don't have a plan. (coughs) You have, you have given no thought to what do I need to do first and what do I need to do second. If you're going to get something done in life, if your dream is ever going to come true, you're going to have to have a plan. You're going to have to have some priorities. Okay, now, look at, sit here in Proverbs. Look over chapter 26. With, 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 your, with your plan here now, you've got your plan, you've got your priorities... You're going to have to be careful about excuses and laziness. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13. The sluggard. Now, who's a sluggard? The sluggard is, if you want, my, my interpretation of sluggard is knucklehead. Not a Bible term. But a sluggard is a knucklehead, if you want to understand it that way. The knucklehead says... There's a lion in the road. Now think about that. There's a lion outside your house? There's a lion in the road. A fierce lion is roaming the streets. The sluggard says this. Making excuses. Why didn't you get your homework done? Oh, there's a lion. There's a lion outside my bedroom. And if I went outside that door, that lion is going to eat me alive. What kind of idiot would believe that excuse? Really? You got a lion in your house? There's a lion in my computer. If I turn that thing on, it's going to eat me alive. Excuses. What kind of excuses do you come up with? You know, one of the days I ran in in, in Murray, Kentucky, it was 12 degrees. You know why I ran? Because I didn't want to. You ever have a conversation with yourself? I say, Marty, Marty you sissy get your butt out there it's too cold my cousin happened to be driving out
1: of the McDonald's
0: drive through and I'm I'm running by ice Snow all over the place. And I I saw her. And I had my hat on and everything.
1: I said, hey, Janetta, what are you doing? And she said,
0: I thought you were from California. I said, yeah, we're a little tougher out there than you think. That was perfect. Is she going to go home and tell her dad, Squirrel, that, that she saw him? I went over to Squirrel's house while I was there. It was great. Uh, it's uh, it's always interesting going to Squirrel's house. He had uh, a shotgun, uh, you know, that leaned up against the, uh, the fireplace there. And I said, Hey, you got your shotgun there and everything. You're ready, huh? And he said, yeah, and he pulled, he pulled the drawer out in front of me and pulls out a gun. He said, yeah, I'm ready. I said, whoa, I'm not in Pasadena anymore. I saw a, a bumper sticker. It says, uh, beware of dog. Dog eats everything, every person that the owner shoots. <laughs>
1: I've got a picture
0: of it on my phone. I'll show it to you. I took a picture of that one. But you know, sometimes sometimes in life, guys, you've got to say, well, what excuse am I giving? Well, what excuse am I accepting? When's the last time I said to myself, you sissy, get up and do it. Move. Well, I don't feel like it. Noted. Get up and do it anyway. Well, I know it's going to hurt. Good! Then you'll know you're doing something. Excuses. There's a lion in the road. As a door turns on, its hinges so a sluggard's on its bed. <laughs> the alarm clock goes off. Boom! Boom, 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 boom. It goes all again. Boom. Boom, boom, boom,
1: boom, 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 boom.
0: Boom. Boom, 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 And you get there late. Why, why did, why, why are you late? Well, my alarm clock didn't go on. I didn't hear my alarm clock. But you're deaf too.
1: Okay.
0: The sluggard buries his hand in a dish and he's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser. Look at this. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. I'm going to be just real honest with you here. The reason some of you guys don't have your dreams coming true is because you make excuses and you're lazy. Dreams have to have emotion. And that emotion has got to be backed up with action. You're actually going to have to do something along the way. Now, we know the story in Nehemiah. We know what happens. He's going to go there. It's a great story. If you're really not familiar with it, if you haven't read the book of Nehemiah and Ezra that goes so long with it, please do that. I mean, it's a great, great story of what we're going to be studying in the next several weeks here at church. He's going to build a wall. The wall is going to go up. It's going to be miraculous almost how fast it goes up and how effective it is and all that. Nehemiah is going to have an enormous success. Now, we're going to read that and experience that in the next few weeks. But let's, let's, let's forget Nehemiah and his dream for a minute. Let's go back to you and your dream. You and your dream. Most of you didn't share. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, even if you didn't share, you thought of something. Your dream. Your dream. It's yours. It doesn't have to be anybody else's. You know what? Your dream may not even mean something to anybody else. It's your dream. It must be built on these two principles if it's ever going to come about. You've got to have emotion about it. You've got to feel deeply about it. And it's okay to have emotion. It's okay to feel deeply about it. And then you've got to back up that emotion with action. You've got to get a plan. You've got to say, okay, I've got to start here I've got to start here. I've got to start here. Some of your dreams are very complicated. Well, I, I, I want to, you know, have a family. Okay. You just don't wake up one day and have a family. You're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to have to back this backwards here, and I'm going to have to look at it in, in a backward sense. If I'm going to get married and have four children, I'm going to have to have a date first. Okay? We've we got, we got to back this thing back a little bit. We've got to think it through. We've got to get a plan. And then we've got to say, okay, I want to have four kids. Well, you've got to have a wife. If you're going to have to have a wife, you're going to have to have a date. and And uh, and, and, uh, whoever that sister is, she needs to get a date. Uh, If if, if you're going to have a date, you're going to have to ask a girl to go get coffee with you. You're going to have to actually open your mouth. and Say, hey, would you like to go get a coffee with me? That kind of thing. If you're going to ask that girl, you're going to have to stay around the fellowship more than three minutes. Okay? You're going to have to have have several conversations with several different girls and figure out which one you want to have coffee with. You know? You have to have a plan. You have to think it through. Peter, quit pinching that kid. Hopefully, guys, this sent us on our way in our study of Nehemiah. This is really going to be a fun study. I'm telling you, if there's ever a book in the Bible where you have sort of little statements and comments that are just really inspirational, great stuff... It's Nehemiah, and with that, Ezra. So, read Ezra and Nehemiah. Get the book. Hand me another uh, brick if you want to read a book that's sort of a side commentary. And uh, we're going to have a great time. Guys, let's get some emotion. Let's get some action. You with me? God bless. You Smith.